This podcast contains material that some listeners may find objectionable. It may contain graphic descriptions of atrocities committed during the 1937 Nanking Massacre in China. Welcome back to the Undaunted Women of Nanking, the wartime diaries of Minnie Votrin and Sen Shui Fang. On this episode, the women survey the state of looting and its effects on the neighborhoods surrounding Jinling. Plans for the future arise, food aid for the poor, and a date by which refugees must return home. More mail arrives, and Sen contemplates the approaching New Year festivities. Wednesday, January 26th, 1938, from the Diary of Minnie Votrin. Several bombers went westward again this morning and returned later this afternoon. They evidently start from Giyum. We are fearful for cities like Hankou, Wucheng, and even Chungking. A number of our refugees today have asked for bedding. Some of them have tried to stay at home, but fine soldiers are still coming in asking for bedding in Hua Gunyang. Mr. Wang's brother and mother-in-law had their bedding taken night before last. They are trying to live down in their home near Shui Shi Men. This morning and part of the afternoon, I have been trying to write a report, a review of the first month but the interruptions are too many to do it justice. Sometimes in one paragraph, I have three or four. Having worked until almost five, I decided to be bold and take a walk to the street west of Jinling, the one called Hu Guan. The houses were all closed and boarded up and the streets were almost deserted. The first person I saw was Mr. Atchison's cook's mother she is staying with an acquaintance across from her home, is afraid to enter her own home for fear the soldiers may come back. She keeps watch, so the Lao Bei Sing will not loot the little that remains. I went to the Kung home, the one bestowed on the family by the first Ming emperor. It is a mass of charred wood and scorched tile and brick. The old caretaker came out to greet me, and gave what he thought was the cause of the burning. Soldiers had stolen a cow and taken it out to this house to cook it. Naturally, they built a big fire in the middle of a room, and when they left, they did not put it out. The charred wood and the skeleton of the cow verified the truth of his explanation, and thus one more interesting and historic landmark has gone. When coming away from the ruins, I met a woman I know, and she asked me if I knew of the large number of bodies over in the pond in the Yang Valley. I told her I had heard something of them and would like to go over, whereupon she offered to go with me. Soon we met her husband, and he said he would go with me and my servant. We found the pond. At its edge, there were scores of black charred bodies and among them two empty kerosene and gasoline cans. 
The hands of the men were wired behind them. How many bodies there were, and whether or not they were machine-gunned first, and then burned, I do not know. But I hope so. In a smaller pond to the west were perhaps twenty to forty more charred bodies. The shoes I saw on several men looked like civilian shoes, not soldiers. All through the hills are unburied bodies. The same day from Sen's diary. This morning, several refugees came back to the campus because last night Japanese soldiers went to their homes. They dared not stay there, and were afraid that the Japanese would return again. Today, I want to see Shio Wencho's house. Originally, I intended to see that place several days ago, but my illness prevented me from doing so. I heard that all belongings in the house had been stolen by people. Some were taken by the Japanese. Most were taken by the refugees who had stayed inside. Because no one guarded the house, and Old Liu was not willing to go there. Fortunately, the piano and refrigerator are still in the small room, which is occupied by a refugee. When the Japanese soldiers came, they took away everything on the third floor. If I had not moved several beds and chests from the house, they would have all been stolen. The most despicable thing is that the refugee poured human waste in the bathtubs. Two bathtubs are full with stools. I was furious and scolded the refugees. There is not even a teacup left intact in the house. Thursday, January twenty seventh, according to Mini Votrin. Airplanes have been very active today. Many of them flying to the northwest. Some of them heavy bombing planes. Rumors of all kinds are rife in the city, and some people feel that the Chinese soldiers are quite near. With a severe cold, soldiers who are unclad must be suffering. The Swastika Society gave us three hundred dollars today for vegetables and oil for the Red Ticket or Free Rice Group, a China New Year gift. We are planning to open a bathhouse in the bathroom of the Northeast Dormitory. It will mean extra work, but it will bring joy to many. Getting the coal will be the first problem, and getting reliable people to manage will be the second. I finished writing my review of the first month. Interruptions have been innumerable, and tonight I feel it is not worth the time it will take to read it. The vast amount of loot being brought into the safety zone worries me. At first, the zone saved lives. Now it has become a haven for storing and selling loot. Streets are lined with little shops or stalls. That means. That the Laobei Sing are growing bold, and are going to all the houses outside the zone and taking what they want to sell and to use. Mr. Sun said today that doors were being taken from his house just on the edge of the zone. 
It seems to me that the zone should prohibit the entrance of loot, but that would take more power than they have. Mr. McCollum says he is putting people into the Chunghua school to save it from further looting. I wonder what the next few months will bring forth. For all the evil elements in society seem to have been released. As a bomb bursting in the sea would stir up all the dregs and filth. Now, Sen's perspective on the same day. These two days, we have been busy with a survey of the poorest of the refugees. The International Committee will allocate some money to help them. Today, we ate the fried shredded pork and salty fish that were given by Liu Wenlan, Huang Chunmei, and Wang Mingchen. Now, we have delicacies to eat, but are longing for more. Previously, when we had none to eat, we got by. These two days, no Japanese soldiers came here. My nerves are calmed down a little. There's meat for sale on the street, but not plentiful. I heard it was 80 cents for a pound. Even dead chickens sells for a dollar a pound. It is really too expensive. We cannot afford to buy it until the price drops. However, both the sellers and buyers on the street are robbed by the Japanese soldiers who encounter them. Today, one child died and one was born. Friday, January 28th, from Votrin's Diary. Much airplane activity all morning. Heavy bombers that are carrying death and destruction pass over our heads in a northwesterly direction. It seems to us here that all of China is being destroyed. I wonder so often what has happened to Lu Chaofu. Spent all morning working on letters to the outside world. We have an opportunity to get them off on USS Oahu if we get them to the American Embassy by 9.30 tonight. I will leave here by 5.30, for I do not go off campus at night. Have not done so for years, it seems. As a matter of fact, since December 12th. This afternoon, there was a meeting of heads of the districts in the safety zone called at the headquarters of the Automatic Society. The name used by Mr. Chen, and which we think too exact to change. A Japanese officer was present. The plan was announced that all refugees in zone must go back to their homes by February 4th, and that all the mushroom shops on the streets of the safety zone will have to be taken down after that date. Order is to be maintained in the city, and plans have been worked out so that soldiers found misbehaving can be reported and dealt with. Soldiers are to be in a restricted district. We devoutly hope this may come to pass as announced. Three philanthropic societies in the cities are planning to distribute 1,000 bags of rice and $2,000 in money to the most needy. We are granted, upon our request, $200 for vegetables and oil for our free rice to Red Tag Group, now numbering about 1,000, including children. This morning, about 10, a large envelope 
of mail was delivered at our gate, brought from Shanghai by one of the foreign ships. How famished we are for news of our friends. This evening after supper, we had quite a party in Mrs. Sen's sitting room, reading the letters addressed to the group and such others as are of interest to all. So far, we have had no foreign mail. Among our refugees are four blind girls who are now living in a room in Mrs. Sen's dormitory. They are such happy, eager girls and wait so eagerly for us to come to see them. They know our footsteps now. Took them to the service on Sunday afternoon, and ever since, they have been asking what certain phrases in the Lord's Prayer mean. Sometimes I hope we can send them to Shanghai to blind school. Let's go out at 8.30 since we received our refugee family. So much of the evening I write by candle or lantern light. City electricity is restored in certain sections of the zone. City water also on again, at least in the zone. No telephone service yet. Lieutenant Colonel Oka called this evening for a friendly visit. He took my first letter through to Ruth in Shanghai. We finish with Sen's diary of the same day. It seems that the refugees are preparing for celebrating the new year. No matter how much they have suffered, they still cannot forget about celebrating the Lunar New Year. Under the circumstances, people have no food to eat, but they still want to celebrate the holiday. Now, some of the poor have become well-to-do. Just talking about it, I began to feel sad again. Under this persecution by the Japanese, I cannot help thinking of the happy, busy time during New Year in the bygone days. This year, the families are painfully separated. Many refugees are suffering. Some husbands were bayoneted to death by the Japanese soldiers and some were taken away by the soldiers, whether alive or dead is unknown. Some of the mothers cried for their son's fate. How can the ones celebrate this kind of New Year? Letters came from Shanghai. Mrs. Liu brought a fountain pen for me. My old one was taken away by the Japanese soldiers. President Wu also sent a letter to us from Hankou. Plenty of news came. Receiving letters is the happiest thing to us. On our next episode, more arrangements are made for the time when refugees will be forced to leave. Church services remain popular, and Jinling celebrates the Chinese New Year. Thanks for listening.